2: We're here. I wish
1: I wish I could What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five star review on iTunes a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate DAP for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast.
2: What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. It is your boy, Kel Dansby, here with the old man, Andreas Hale. Again, remember, we are brought to you by blue wire the new network shout out to blue wire for letting us come here on the weekly and provide you guys with quality podcasts and make sure you guys check out bet online as well march madness is on the way so make sure you guys go there place your bets we have plenty of other stuff coming up too so keep an eye on that use the promo code blue wire all one word when you guys go nice little 50 percent sign up bonus when you do that man it's nice to be back the old man you've been traveling around and we're gonna get to that you were in dallas so i, I know you're a little bit uh i want to say jet lagged you stepped off of the the plane a little earlier today before we sat down for this so uh first and foremost how you feeling exhausted the jet lag no i went to sleep i mean we'll talk about the whole week
3: as a whole but uh after the garcia vargas fight uh we went out uh, we do our, our team meeting afterwards. I didn't get to bed until two when I had to be up at four to get to the airport. Um, I slept for like an hour in the plane. I'm exhausted. I'm you love scared. those
2: weird flights, yo.
3: No, it's you the look- worst decision. Like every time I book my flight, I book it and I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm gonna get there. And then on Sunday, I'm gonna get home to my family because that's what I need to do. Cause I'm a good husband. And the Saturday night happens, and I look at my travel. I'm like, why the fuck did I book this early flight Sunday? Every, <laughs> the I same thing every at
2: Mania. Every, every time. Every I time. do
3: it every single time. And I can't stop myself because sometimes I need to be home because the wife needs help and I got to get home. But today, for instance, is like getting home. I don't want to do nothing. I'm, I'm exhausted. Like, I'm spent. And you know who doesn't care? My daughter. She could care less. <laughs> She's like, it's daddy. Let's play. I want to fly. Like, she wants to do all these things. And... I'm I'm completely I'm beat I'm defeated it's been a long week man but I'm, I'm home and it's, the good thing is I'm actually home for like the next two weeks for once like this crazy stretch of fights that I've had between Miami for Super Bowl week then Ryan Garcia the week after that then uh what was directly after Ryan Garcia oh that was, that was Vegas though uh, yo Ryan yeah but I mean I'm just talking about all the fights Wilder Fury um Garcia Vargas this past week, and then this week is Adesanya Romero in the UFC, and then I don't have any fights for like three weeks, and then it's like WrestleMania, oh, nice. and then, then I got that panel that I'm hosting in uh in Austin. But uh, man, this has like been the craziest
2: stretch. So you ask how I'm doing, I'm tired, I'm, I'm exhausted. <laughs> well, kids don't care, and that's uh, welcome to fatherhood. It doesn't ease up as they get older. They don't care how tired you are they don't care about the travel when they see you it's their time and you better have energy so that that is fatherhood or parenthood in a nutshell so <laughs> best of luck to you there i know your daughter wakes up super early so as soon as we're done with this get as much rest as you can because uh tomorrow's monday she's gonna be on it uh, oh she ready thing- she knows
3: daddy's home and daddy's not going anywhere she's ready <laughs> super ready <laughs>
2: uh one thing i want to talk about to start off today's show was my daughter and i called them today uh before recording this a little earlier today and we always facetime on weekends because they're not at school they're not in activities it's easier to facetime instead of calling or texting like we do during the week so they're at the mall they're buying stuff i'm chilling they're with their mom and they're walking around and everything's normal right And my daughter's preparing to go to high school. So she signed up for high school classes already. She's taken some already uh, in junior high. She has practiced for the dance team, her high school dance team next week. And then she's signing up for like AAU basketball. All this stuff's going on. And I jokingly tell my oldest daughter like, yo, when you come out here for the summer, we got to sign you up for like jujitsu or boxing classes because when you go to high school, you know, you got to know how to fight. Like somebody's going to try to test you. It's like prison. You got to know how to fight. And I was like, you can't go into high school not having a fight because then you're going to get wrecked. And then out of nowhere, their mom chimes in like, oh, she had a fight already. I'm like, she had a fight already. What are you talking about? She's like, yeah, last year. I was like, what do you, last year? She was like, she got suspended for like two days? I was like, how did no one tell me this? And her mom was just like, Blake well, hey, you didn't tell your dad that you got suspended? I was like, yo, no one told me this. And my only question was, Dre, and this is this is great parenting right here. Did you win? I wasn't mad of the suspension. I wasn't mad of the fight. I said, did you win? She says yes. I said, okay, tell me about this fight. She said, I was having a bad day. An eighth grade girl, she was in seventh grade at the time, called me ugly in the lunchroom. I punched her in the face. Oh, my. I said, oh, cool. Like, me and her, we throw hands all summer. So, we slap box. We go body, like, all that. So, I'm like, okay, you got some quickness. Cool, you punched the girl in the face. Bomb. I was like, all right. Was that the end of the fight? People jump in. Like, did you hit her again? She's like, no, I didn't hit her again. I was like, all right. I was like, so how many punches did the girl get in? She was like three or four. I was like, wait, so how'd you win the fight? I was like, you hit her once, she hit you three or four times. She was like, oh, I punched her in the face. Then I walked away like I was just going to go to class. And then she ran after me, kind of jumped on my back, hit me three or four times. People broke it up when we went to the principal's mm. office. My next phrase is something I never thought I would have to tell my children. I was like, yo, baby girl, you lost that fight. I was like, you you took the L in this fight. The judges saw it 10, nine her. And then she was like, I did lose the fight, all this stuff. And I'm bugging like, and I tell my wife this, she was like, oh no, the girl ran up on her from behind. I was like, no, it's not like she snuck her. My daughter started it, decided to just leave mid fight. And got mollywhopped by the sound of it. Am I wrong for this? Or did my daughter take the loss on the judge's scorecard? Man, I don't know. Um, <laughs> man, I hope I do have to cough those waters. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> damn. No, she, I mean, she go fight sooner or later. Everybody fights, right? It's like a right yeah, of passage. Everybody gets in a fight. I mean, you know. I it's feel like she things. lost this fight.
3: Yeah, it sounds like, you know, she got her hit in and was just like, cool. And the girl was like, not cool. And gotten that ass <laughs> Um yeah. I, I don't know how you deal with that moving forward. Because, yeah, you know, there was no, no child damage. Ever, no child ever wants to say that they're, they're, uh, they're, no parent wants to say their child lost a fight. But the reality is somebody's got to lose. And maybe your daughter lost a fight. And it's a lesson learned. Nobody says they lost a the fight until they get much older and they go, like, yeah, I lost that shit. Because when you're in high <laughs> school, you
2: never lose a fight. Ever. In your head. I've never, I've never heard a grown man say he lost a fight. Either I got jumped. Or I won the fight. There's no... No one ever says they lost the fight. But with her, I'm like, yo... Yeah, I mean... or, did you, or they s- did, <laughs> did you not realize that once you punch someone in the face, there is now a continuation? Like, how did you think you were just going to punch someone in the face and be like, alright, I'm going to eat that. And that was it. Like, beef done. I don't understand how this registers.
3: I mean, you know, even grown folks have a hard time with this because... Come on, man. We just had a guy say he wore a 45-pound suit, and that's why he didn't win the fight. So excuses are plentiful in the world of fighting. So your daughter, not, it's not like she's an outlier. This is what we no. do.
2: You lose a fight. Nobody lost a he- fight to the better man. Never happens. No. She, she got a heavy backpack. That's what it was. She had a 45-pound book bag on. I'm going to tell her, yo. Ooh. You ain't lose the fight. You had a 45-pound book bag on. But she had no clue that like the fight was extended past the first punch. Like she was like, no, I hit her first. Like, I won. And I was like, yo, that's that's not how this works. I told my dad this earlier today. He was like, yo, it's because kids nowadays don't understand the dynamics of fighting because they don't see people fight. He He was like, she probably saw nothing but like love and hip hop and ratchet television with her mother when people really do only get one punch in or they throw one drink. And that is a quote unquote fight on television. No one tells her that in real life, it's all.
3: So I do enjoy how your dad kind of just threw her under the bo- your uh, your baby mom's under the bus. <laughs> that,
2: that, yeah. that, just
3: just a footnote. That was wildly entertaining to me.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, pop shoots it straight. So I mean, he also agrees that she probably lost this fight, and that we have to explain to her the intricacies of fighting. And now I feel like I have to explain this to all my children my son he fights with his cousin so he understands like when it's time to get busy you're you're fighting until someone pulls you off my daughters i'm not sure i, I don't know is this a rite of passage conversation did i miss a major block of parenting is this something did did anyone tell you about fighting or how to fight no and, and i think the strange thing
3: is like we can't look at the past to justify the present right so the way that we looked at fighting when we were kids is not how our kids our kids look at fighting. So, there for me, there was no rite of passage. It was just like I watched Muhammad Ali, and then I thought I was him when I was like nine. So it was like I fought a lot when I was like grade school,
2: and I went I fought and, all I, the time.
3: For the record, I lived in New York, but I lived in like Far Rockaway, and I went to school with a bunch of white kids. So I beat all the white kids up. Um, and that was just, that was just my thing. And then I moved to Vegas and I went to the hood and everything changed. Cause now I'm no longer the only black kid here. There is like the Mexican gang, like there was gang culture when I was in like sixth grade. And then I just learned a horrible lesson. Like you just can't beat everybody up. You are going to be in some dog fights, And that changed my perspective on everything. But there was no, like, I didn't get trained. I just looked at TV cause I watched boxing. I watched Boom Boom Mancini with my grandmother when I was a child. And I was like, I can do that. And it For a while it worked, then one day it just didn't, and I just realized, oh shit, this ain't the same thing. So I don't know when you teach your kids how to fight, because the other problem is if you teach them how to fight too soon, they just think they can run around beating up everybody, and that becomes problematic. So it's like it's hard to figure out when you introduce this. Yeah, it's it's just hard. It's it's hard to figure out when to introduce your children to fight, because you play fight, that's one thing, but if it becomes like a real fight, and then they win. Now you got a new problem on your hands because now your kid is Billy Badass. And he's like, yo, fuck it. I'm just going to beat up the whole school. And it happens. You know what I'm saying? There's bullies. Like, Devin Haney, like... When Bill Haney, Devin's Pops, when we did that animated video and he told me how bad Devin was because he just just beat up all the kids and then Bill took (laughs) Devin to a boxing gym to teach him a lesson and then Devin just started beating up all the boxers. Then Bill was like, you know what? I have a boxer on my hands and I need to channel this energy into something positive. And now you have Devin Haney, one of the top prospects in the world. But Bill will tell you, my son was bad as fuck because he just used to beat up everybody. Imagine that. Look, look. Your kid is so bad; he beats up all the school bullies and everybody else for the lunch money. And then you're like, "Listen, you can't do that. I'm gonna take you to a boxing gym where these kids are real fighters, and you are gonna get your ass." Work. You take your kid to that gym, and then he beats up everybody there. That's a different kind of problem. Yeah, now that's a whole fight, different
2: right problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I feel like my son. Again, my my son has fought his cousins. Like boys, I feel are kind of different, right? Like I grew up fighting at like four years old. So I remember from four all the way through grade school, I fought all the time. All of my friends on my block, everyone. Like, that's just New York. Like, you go outside, someone foul you hard in basketball, you're gonna throw hands. You'll be friends in two days. But that day, somebody gotta catch the hands. And I was always good with my hands. Like, I always had quickness, and my build is such that I was always athletic and strong. So even though people were older than me, I was always able to, you know, just kind of Tyson them, getting close and let them have the business. So I've, I've fought like my whole life. So I didn't know that fighting wasn't like a natural thing when you're younger. But my kids have never had to fight anyone. My son fights his cousins because they get into arguments over video games and they start throwing real hands. And my son's cousin is a lot bigger than him, even though they're the same age. So my son, like the last time my son had like a knot under his eye and his cousin had a busting lip but they'd be going at it and i'm like good that's character building and their uncle his cousin's dad thinks it's great and i'm like yeah good shit that's that's how boys are supposed to be but with the girls they never fought they never had to fight anyone so i i just don't understand the dynamics of like when do you and you have a daughter like i've had to sit down i've had to have the birds and the bees conversation. Which is in steps. So I've had level 1 with both daughters at this point. I've had level 1 and 2 with my oldest daughter at this point. Level 3, the almost advanced course is coming like next summer. And then uh, etc. I'll just move up between children. So I've had the birds and the bees talk. That's not too difficult. My stepdaughter, who's 18 or 17 now... I've had the full gamut of birds and the bees conversations. Those are easy. The you need to get some hands so you don't get your ass beat is a tough conversation. My daughters are pretty. They try. And I know my oldest daughter got a slick mouth. So I'm like, yo, you gotta you gotta be able to protect yourself or you're going to be walking around school getting molly So I don't, yeah. I don't know. This summer is boxing courses for her just so she can, you know, get a little bounce going. At
3: well, least so know- she
2: knows to throw a combo.
3: The, the real hard part about all this is, I mean, for all, all intents and purposes, once you're financially successful and you're able to move to areas where you don't have to really deal with that kind of riffraff, it's a, it's a different kind of riffraff when you live in an affluent neighborhood. You don't have to like, we fought mostly because we were poor and we were areas with other poor kids. And if you had something that they didn't have, it was a fight. But when, you're, when you live in a different neighborhood, it's like, I don't think, like, my daughter's not really going to have the same experience I had growing up. Well, clearly she's not. She's absolutely not. So, but then, because that's, it's, it's so, it's weird, man. And I hate going, drifting in this weird territory. But, you know, like, white kids do, like, MMA and, like, wrestling, like, for fun. We boxed yeah. because we were already throwing hands. And, like, same with, like, the Mexican community. Like, we were already throwing hands in our neighborhood. All we had to do was refine those tools in a boxing gym. Cause boxing gyms are very easy to have. It's like you throw some ropes around a mat, and now you're boxing. Whereas, in like other sports, that's why I like white kids like play golf and shit is because that equipment is not cheap. So boxing is like the cheapest sport to do. There's two things. There's two languages that being um, lower than middle class America that are just this is a, a universal languages are two things: sex and fighting. Is like people ask why do you know why do poor people have babies so much? Yeah, it's not because they're poor. It's just a universal language. Like it's easy to do that. Like playing easy. golf or fighting. It costs no money. Yeah, fighting. Same thing. Everybody knows about fighting. There is nothing about fighting that's just generally surprising. It's just kind of part of your fabric. Like when you see a fight, you go to it. Sex. Very simple. This in this this works. Let's do this. Fighting is the same way. Everything else all, like the way that we're raising our kids now we're raising them in like extracurricular stuff like painting and ballet and all these other things that we couldn't afford when we were kids and now you know now our kids have the opportunity to explore these things so like fightings like in our head it's like the last thing on our minds but they're gonna have to fight at some point in your life because you can't escape it somebody's gonna bother them and if you got like for instance for me I talk a lot of shit I fully expect my daughter to talk shit like I do so I also fully expect my daughter to have to deal with the repercussions of talking shit so I have to teach her how to defend herself. That's See, it. And it's that's, the part, of-
2: that's the part I miss. Because my daughter talks shit like I talk shit. Because all we do around the house is talk shit. I beat them in uno, I talk shit. She, for any reason, beats me in a video game, she talks shit. I whip her in video games, we talk shit. They don't know anything else besides talking shit. And if you do that to other people, sometimes you might get in trouble. This case was also the case of, like you were saying, like, oh, if you grow up with a little bit of money, it's different circumstances, right? But you get to places in life where other people still grow up like us and my kids did not. So my daughter got mad because she was called ugly by this other chick who I guess the 8th grader wasn't visually appealing. I'm not trying to call other people's kids ugly. My daughter said she wasn't visually appealing. Nonetheless, my daughter had just gotten, like, uh, she come back from break, you know. Every break, I buy them clothes or whatever. And she got this leather jacket from the mall in Vegas. So it's like the half leather jacket, all this stuff. My daughter thought she was fly. She was walking around. She uh, was getting her eyebrows shaped for the first time. And I guess some little boys liked her or whatever. So she was like, "Yeah, cool, whatever." She's enjoying like you know just being fly and dope and laughing with her little group of friends. This eighth grader didn't take you know kindly to it. And in front of everyone decided to call her ugly. So I guess she felt compelled in front of the group to hit her with the one piece. But I told her, Yo, you're not Deontay Wilder. Like you gotta have some follow up. You're not a one trick pony here. You don't got the right hand power, obviously, to just drop people. Like you you need to get some type of combo. She got she's quick, she's athletic. It's like we can teach her to do something. So that's that's the key. At least she didn't pull hair. And we got to do jujitsu, Because I was like, the girl, okay, the girl hit you three times. She jumped on your back. You just got to fall to the ground pull guard. And then at this point, she's in your world. So, like, I feel like jujitsu solves all of this. Because then she just Ronda Rousey arm bars the chick for trying to jump on her. Then you're in a whole different world of games. So, yeah, this summer, jujitsu, jitsu uh, Maybe some judo. Definitely got to get the hands. I'm going to get the mitts. Like ah, get her jab right. Some gotta defend herself. My my middle daughter at least has brute strength because she's Puerto Rican, got some thickness to her. Can't be tall, skinny, and not know how to fight. So Jesus. that was my day you, today.
3: You have fun with that because I ain't <laughs> all that shit.
2: Yo, these are parenting problems. This is what people don't tell you, Dre. Right? People tell you all the little stuff. You know, there's some conversations having a daughter that you will have to have when you grow up. These are the little things people don't warn you about. No one told me this about having kids. It's like, yo, what are you going to say to your kid when they get in their first fight? But then you think like, damn. When I was growing up, all my grandma said was, don't get your ass whooped. My parents were of the opinion, or my grandparents, my grandma. When I came home, as long as I fought, I was pretty much okay. Was the guy bigger? Yeah. Were you scared to fight him? No. Cool. Good job. If I came home with a black eye, what it he busted his lip? Cool. You know, it was gonna be a brawl, like, no matter what. And I won more fights than I lost. But the people who got a good shot on me were bigger. Cool. I remember one time I came home and I told my grandma I didn't wanna fight someone. I had to be in like second grade. There was a fifth grader and I came home and I was super mad. I, my temper was like horrible. Still is, but I control it better. But my temper was crazy. And I was like damn near in tears, crying and just upset. I was slamming the door and shit. My grandma was like, what's going on? and I was like, oh, this person was picking on me, and uh, it was during a basketball game or something, they didn't want me, I called next, clearly called next, he didn't want me to get on the court, so I was tight, pushed him, he pushed me, and it was about to go down, and then I saw how big he was, and I was like, fuck it, I walked home, and then she was like, why didn't you hit him? Because I, I was like, because he was big, and she yelled at me like she's never yelled at me in my life since then. I guess this is being Puerto Rican, and we just fight all damn time anyway. And she was like, Are you kidding? She was like, Go back there. And I remember this clear as day. You can't do this anymore. I love my grandma. She's a nicer person now. She was like, You go back and you hit them with whatever the hell you can find. And I remember I had my baseball bat because we played like stickball outside or baseball outside in the driveway and in the street. Grabbed my baseball bat, walked over, walked down like the driveway where we all played basketball, and a couple yards over. And I was really about to hit him in the head with this baseball bat. And one of my good friends, Bashiri, was at my wedding and everything else. He tells the story to this day. He looks over. He looks back at me. He's like, oh, Kel's back. Double takes. I was like, fuck, stop him. And he like runs, grabs me, and has to grab the bat. Mid-flight. Because I was swinging at this guy's noggin. Mm. And my grandma was so proud of that. That's the difference in parenting. I can't tell my kids that story, by the way. Don't need people hitting people with bats. But... Shit done changed, so be on the lookout, Dre. Parents. Your nephew's eight feet tall. Exactly. He's six foot not, two. Not. He ain't in no fights. Not yet, and that, that's the one when I'm you see worried him, about. You ask, cause him, you been in a fight. He gonna? Yeah, yeah he I mean, you don't got to worry about him winning or losing the fight. Let's be honest. He
3: his problem is is he's <laughs> such a nice. He's like the kindest kid ever. So it's like it's hard because I'm trying to explain to him when he goes he goes to high school next year. I'm like, listen, man. Kids like me, because I was a little scrawny kid, have Napoleon <laughs> complexes. And they look for the big, nice kid to pick on because everybody wants to slay the giant. So you need to be careful. Like, all you need is a one-hitter quitter or a chokeslam or something of that sort, like where you just toss a little dude around because they are going to try you. So we'll see what happens. We'll have an update when he goes to high school. That That's, you know, a little ways from now, but we'll get there.
2: All right. So it's time for us to actually talk about real fights and real boxing. All right everybody, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, now that March has arrived, we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure you head to bet online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. That's right. I said 100k and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action, and with the multiple entries available, it's the season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all of your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure you use that promo code, BlueWire, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now let's get back to the show. Alright, we are back. And like I said before the break, we are talking real fights and real boxing. If uh, my daughter lost the fight, please let me know. If she won the fight, also let me know. Let me know your scorecards on my daughter's high school or middle school fight. You might be more kind than me. I think currently her record is 0-1. Maybe she gets a draw. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how you guys decide this. I, she clearly did win this fight. Nonetheless, uh, you just got back from Dallas. And before we talk about the actual fights, Mikey Garcia coming back and everything that happened out there, you are always in the middle of trouble. I told you this in Vegas. When you're around, shit just happens. You are a magnet to the buffoonery. Case in point, I'm chilling. It's last night. I'm like, oh, look at Dre. He's having a great time at the fights. Following fighter, fighter entrance, fighter entrance, you know, post-fight stuff. Oh, this is so cool. Next slide on IG and on Facebook. Dre's at a restaurant. Guy's on the floor in cuffs. (laughs) Or at least with like a knee in his face. Four slides of this guy outside. This is the same thing that happened to us in Vegas a week ago. (laughs) A guy gets choked randomly. And I'm like, you know what? You are the common denominator. You Somehow your aura encourages people to do dumb shit around you. What happened?
3: Oh, my God. So, yeah. So, after the fight, um, the fight was at uh, the Star in Frisco, uh cowboy training facility. We leave the Star. Um, there's an, a this place called Cowboy Something. Clearly, I was like, no, I'm cool. I don't want to go there. It's Cowboy Something. So it's just a bunch of white people and Mexicans just, like, running around crazy because they left the fight, so everybody's drunk. So, we're like, let's find a low-key place Let's by our hotel. Our hotel is, like, not too far from the Star, um, and... They called me and they was like, "All right, we're gonna have our, you know, a post-fight meeting, and you know, we have our fallout where, like, our producers, everybody gets together." We went to a spot called Ringo's Pub. Nobody was really there. That way, we could talk, catch up. We have a drink, like we usually do. We toast, and then we say good night. Go to Ringo's Pub. Um, me, Greg Domino, who's our uh, head of PR, one of our heads of PR, Corey Erdman, who's a good friend of mine. Um, he's one of our researchers, um, and it was like a bunch of other people. So we walk in and the first bar we walk up to, I was like, this can't be it, right? Because it's just like it's like a nightclub. And I'm like, this is not it, right? This ain't it. And they're like, no, 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 it's much more calm. I was like, all right, cool. So we go to Ringo's pub. what it is. It's definitely much more calm. Most of us, like, what we usually do is our producer, like, kind of just throws his card on the table, expenses everything. Uh, food, whatever. So we get there, me, Sergio Mora, Chris Mannix, we're all just sitting there shooting the shit. Good, you know, talk about the fights, which is a good night of fights we'll talk about. Um, but the people that were already there had, I guess, apparently had been drinking for hours. So we're standing around and there's, there's this, uh, the dude that you see that's (laughs) getting hemmed up. So apparently he's at the bar and he falls asleep on the bar. And then I guess muscle memory kicked in. So he tried to climb on the bar and stretch out like Snoopy used to sleep on top of the doghouse. And one of the security guards, like, you can't do that. Like you gotta go. And he's drunk, and you know he's slurring his words. And like me, and Sergeant Moore, were just like watching him, and we're like, "This ain't going to happen." Well, now the doorman happens to be this black dude who apparently was from the Bronx, so I knew he didn't play. And he was like, "Listen, man, you got to go." And he was like, "You know, slurring his words." So they, you know, they, they, he he falls to the ground and he tries to do, he tries to like do a double leg takedown on the security guard, and the security guard kind of like guillotines him. And we're in the middle of our conversation. Only me and Sergio Moore are no- noticing this. And I point and I'm like, hey, guys, it's a fight after the fight. So they turn and they look and it's like this dude like in a scramble. Um, the drunk dude's trying to scramble, but he's drunk. So he re- really has no clue what he's grabbing. Like he's grabbing like other people's legs. He- he's not grabbing the guy who's grabbing him. So he's got them all hemmed up. Now this-, this drunk dude's girl comes up. Now, for the record, his girl, this dude has no business being with this girl. Like I was, I looked at the girl and I looked at him. I was like, really? And she comes over and she's like, leave him alone. Scary guy is like, look, man, you got to go. You can't be this inebriated in here. Cause you know, they got a last call and text. You got to go when you're this drunk, time to go home. Get, we'll call you a cab or Uber, go home. So he, they're, you know, they're carrying him out to the door. They like one dude has his head. The other dude has his arms. The other dude has his feet. They're like carrying this guy off the door. This guy springs into action out of nowhere. Like the undertaker. And he's like, Hey, fuck you. And then the dude, (laughs) the dude, like, face-mushes him out the door. Like, straight, like, he pushes his face, and dude goes flying out the door. And his girl happens to be holding his shirt, so she goes flying out the door, too. So now they're both on the ground. It looks terrible. It looks like he mushed them both at the same time, like the the stooges. Like, like he slapped everybody. But he didn't. He only pushed one dude. Now, dude gets up, and he wants to fight everybody. But he doesn't really want to fight. Everybody's just talking shit now. Everybody from the zone who just came from a fight—we're intrigued by this because this is action. And security guy grabs him, hems him up. They put him on the concrete. He's like squirming, and because he's squirming, because the security guys did a great job—they never threw a hand at this dude. They just were hemming him up. But the way this guy was bumping his head, he ends up with a hematoma the size of like Hasim Rockman. It was like this big ass hematoma starts forming, and they're telling him, like, dude, your head is growing another head. Stop. You're drunk go home and that's when i started rec- i was like at this point it's been like 10 minutes and i grabbed my phone and i'm looking and i'm like i'm gonna record this world star so i'm like pointing my phone out the window and everybody else is and chris maddox is doing play-by-play so this shit gets really funny because we're like we just left the fight and we're in the middle of another fight and we're doing play-by-play of some other shit so yeah so dude gets carried out oh um, and the crazy thing is he's bucking up and he's like pushing and swinging the cops come And so it's the okay for the record. There's um three black dudes: me, Greg Domino, who isn't black, but his two homeboys was there were black, and we're standing and we're watching this happen. And at a certain point, I turn off my camera and I go to them. I was like, "Why is he not dead?" For real, because I was like, "The cops should (laughs) have shot him by now." Because I'm like, if it was one of us, and he was like, if it was one of, because if it was one of us, we'd have got shot. Because this dude was just like going at the police, and it just it didn't it was like it had like 30 minutes of this shit. It was so long that I ordered two other drinks to watch this shit. Like I went to the bar and I came back. I was like, can I get two more? And I came back with my drinks. I was like, so it's still going. I went back and got another one, I got a refill. It was still happening. The cops, they gave this man a ticket and told him to go home, a ticket. <laughs>
2: they didn't even get arrested.
3: No, they gave him a ticket. He was like, listen, man, go home. And that's where the dude <laughs> was like, he looks at me. He's like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? He was like, yo, we would have been dead, especially in Texas would have been dead. Not this dude. Not this dude. He carried on 30 minutes of bullshit. And he looks he looks totally beat up. Like, I didn't get a picture of him afterwards. But he looks totally beat up. He's got a hematoma growing on the side of his head. His shirt is ripped. But he, he never got punched. It was just him beating himself up. And then we left. And then Chris <laughs> man And as we're leaving, Chris Manis goes, subscribe to the zone. And that was it. And I was like, I'm done. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> what
2: a lie. Never forget to plug the company. It
3: was it He's was a true professional. It was, nuts. It, it was nuts. And yeah, by that time it was like it was really time to go to sleep. And we were just like, we had it. It was a long ass day, but we were thoroughly entertained by this drunk dude beating himself up at a bar. Good job.
2: <laughs> oh, you you had an exciting weekend of fights. Some scheduled, some unscheduled. The man losing to himself never gets old. Yeah, uh, the other controversial thing you did in, in Dallas, you tried Whataburger again. Oh, yeah, I did. I gave it a shot. So,
3: here's gave the it a shot. So, anybody saw when I landed in Texas, when you get to Dallas Love Airfield and you walk off wherever flight you're on, because Dallas Love is a relatively small airport, you go into the center and there's a food court. The biggest thing in the food court is Whataburger. So, I took a picture and I was like, hello, Dallas. And I took a picture of the food court and I said, hello, Whataburger, like Seinfeld did Norman. And <laughs> Whataburger vanity searched their tweets and found me and replied to me and it was like, you should come by, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't think they know I hate their guts. So as the days progressed, people were like, hitting hey, me, you need to try this, you need to try this. So this morning, because it's so early and I got into such an early flight, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this uh, honey butter chicken biscuit. I tried it, wasn't bad. The problem is, I just had the spicy chicken McGriddle at McDonald's like a week ago, and it don't slap like that. So, whataburger, okay. you have a good chicken biscuit, it's cool, but your burgers are still trash. To be a place called Whataburger, that's like going to a pizza place and ordering like meatballs. The shit don't it ain't right. Just call yourself meatballs. You're not a piece pizza place. Whataburger should be called a honey chicken biscuit, because that's probably the best thing they have on their menu, and it's really just okay. So no, I'm not converting to Whataburger. I gave you guys a shot. You're not total trash. You're you're okay. But you're like on par with like Burger King. What was I really saying?
2: <laughs> That's true. No breakfast, and I'll tell you this. No breakfast slaps harder than the Chick-fil-A mini chicken sandwiches. Like their little chicken mini biscuits with the like honey butter on them. You get four in the order. No, nothing compares to that with their hash browns. So Chick-fil-A King of fast food breakfast, everything else is secondary. I gotta try that chicken McGriddle though. McGriddles are fire in general,
3: yeah. See, I don't usually eat breakfast because most what sucks is I I haven't figured out why, like, McDonald's they don't have like turkey sausage yet, and I don't eat pork, so like for the most part, I don't really like the egg McMuffins because everybody tells me egg McMuffins give them gas, so it's like all I want is chicken biscuits. So when they did this, when they brought back the chicken biscuit, and I saw the McGriddle and I saw it was a hot and spicy because I like spicy. One day I was just like, "Yo, let me try this," and I was like, "Yo, this slaps. I'm gonna eat this." So I ate it, and it's amazing. I, I really don't need to because I need to get back on my diet and shit. I ate like a savage this week, um, and brunch by myself. That's a whole other story. And uh, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I try, I tried it. What a burger! I gave you a shot. That's it. I gave you, I gave you a chance. Like I'm not dissing you for no reason. Now I have a reason. I've tried your burgers. They're not good. Your fries are whatever. Better than In-N-Out, but In-N-Out's not, no, they're called In-N-Out Burger, not In-N-Out fries. And, uh, yeah, honey chicken biscuits that's fine. Somebody was like, you need to try the, listen, man, if you gotta keep giving me suggestions to find one thing that's good at Whataburger, the shit ain't good, okay?
2: Yeah, your place is whack. And you got breakfast. When breakfast is your claim to fame, your chain is trash. And I'm saying, I'll, I'll take Waffle House over Whataburger. Oh, easy. I mean, that's a full restaurant, though. There's there's people that say
3: Waffle House is trash. Listen, man. I went to Morehouse in Atlanta. When you leave the club and ain't nothing else open, you go to Waffle House, you either have that steak sandwich or you get that giant-ass waffle, that should be hitting. My wife's
2: addicted to that. My wife is addicted to Waffle House, wherever we go down south. When we looked in Tampa, when we were like, I was like, yo, WrestleMania's in Tampa. The first thing she looked up was where the Waffle Houses are. And it's kind of like Roberto's. Yeah, I was about to say, it's like Roberto's. When you get drunk, you got to go to Roberto's. Like when you get drunk in the South, you got to go to Waffle House. It's, it's a right of passage. So, yeah, you you were completely right. Whataburger, not on that level. So, let's talk about actual fights and fighters, now that we've kind of brought everything full circle on our uh, wild excursion of Dallas through your experiences. At the fight, Mikey Garcia's headlining, uh, we had Roman Gonzalez on the undercard. A fighter who randomly showed up who wasn't advertised as someone that really caught my eye. And that's Errol Spence Jr. So his fight, his next fight's not announced yet. Showed up to the Mikey fight. He was in the crowd. No surprise, right? It's Dallas. Yeah. What's surprising, and I don't want to say worrisome to me yet. But now that I have to keep an eye on everyone's social media, super close for content and blah, blah, blah. He seems to have this newfound energy for life. And it's not in a positive way. He often, on his IG stories and everything, is like, Oh, I I cheated death or I got a second chance at life. So I'm buying this crazy chain with me knocking out uh, Kel Brook. That shit's hilarious, by the way. But So it is him knocking out Kell Brook on his chain. Mm-hmm. And it says man down. But then he's like, oh, me and my boy, whatever young, fangled rapper this is, we're turning Yellow up Beez- tonight. Beez- Yellow Beezy. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of song. Regardless, they all sound the same. So me and Yellow Beezy, we're hanging out tonight. Oh, all oh, shit. Kill- call me Big Fucking EJ. Like, he's... I see him doing everything besides training, besides boxing. And for a guy who got in a car accident, for drinking and driving, these aren't the circumstances or the environments where I would think someone who got into that accident should really be partaking right away. It seems to be less of a a life and spiritual awakening than it is a license to ill. Like he's invincible now. He survived something that should have killed him. Fuck it, I'm living it to the fullest. I really don't feel good about this. What did I say a
3: few weeks ago? uh, About a couple months ago. When this accident happened, I said the fact that he got got out of it completely unscathed is kind of the worst thing that could possibly happen because it's like, I'm invincible. And I'm not saying he's necessarily thinking like that, but in a way, it's just kind of like, you know, if you do wild stuff and you get caught doing wild stuff and there's repercussions for that wild stuff, you may reconsider said wild stuff. But if you do wild stuff... And you should have died from said wild stuff. And you come out completely unscathed. What is the consequence? Right? Then you just kind of go, eh. You know, and you kind of move on with life. And I'm not saying that's exactly what Errol Spence is doing. But I feel like Errol is... um, He is kind of living life right now. I don't know exactly where his head is at. Like, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I don't think he's necessarily training just yet. I think his, uh, his suggested return date of may june it was ambitious i don't think we'll see him until late summer now could be wrong but i sincerely doubt it like we're heading into march and it doesn't look like he's he's definitely not cutting weight because he couldn't train for a while um i'm not going to be overly concerned i'm not going to be concerned with him as much as i would be concerned with the extracurricular activity of a gervonta davis i'll say that like this, this is almost harmless compared to what Javante and Adrian Broner set out to do more often than not. I can deal with this if it translates in the ring and he has a poor performance or he comes in overweight. Then I'll have something to say. But right now, it's it's whatever. I mean, I don't think there's no there's, it's time for the red flags to go up just yet. I do think that uh, we're at terrorist threat. Was that orange? Like one of the lo- lower levels where just the needle starts moving just a little bit. Uh, but yeah. I don't think it's something to be overly concerned about. Yeah, it's just something you gotta keep an eye
2: on. Yeah, it seems uh it seems a little odd, but yeah, he was living life to the fullest down there. Um you shall see how it translates to his fights coming up. People actually fighting in the ring. I was thoroughly impressed, thoroughly impressed with the return of Roman Gonzalez Chocolatito in the ring um we talked about him I mean so much on the show right like when we first started he was top 5 pound for pound midway through our long podcast history at this point we're almost at like 6 years I think um he reached as high as number 1 pound for pound on many list and then there was no more fights at the lower weights for him so he was forced to climb up and then that's when stuff kind of hit the fan he gets knocked Or he loses, comes back, gets knocked out, has injuries. Now it seems like he's healthy again. And we saw the Roman Gonzalez that we saw, what, four or five years ago. A guy with an amazing one-two. A guy with power in his hands again. This, to me, was the best version of him. And I think at this weight, he can go and try to be a unified champion again. Because he showed that he has some of those same skills he had before. Yeah,
3: I mean, listen, nobody kind of, like, we all didn't know what Chocolatito had left in this tank, And during even fighter meetings, we're all looking like, damn, man, like, it's hard because you want him to, to be great. But then you're like, he's only 32. But then you're like, well, he's only 32, but he's like block punches with his face for a long time. And <laughs> his style is not necessarily conducive to a long career. And when he fought Sorin Vise, you looked at those fights, you were like, damn, he's cooked. Because, yeah, he lost the first fight, but then he got clobbered in the rematch. Then he wins, like, a fight, and you're, you're like, I don't know what he can do. And he fights Khali Afai, um a former Olympian, a pretty good boxer, um, you know, no special effects, pretty solid guy. And he just goes in there and beats the brakes off of him. And it was one of those performances where there was a couple weird things that happened in this fight. One was that Khali Afai just never learned how to block a body shot. I don't know what the <laughs> hell he was thinking, but from ringside... Now, these guys are like 114 pounds. They are tiny. From ringside, and I think I was near the broadcasters. Every time Chocolatito hit Yafai in the body, it sounded like he was beating a drum. It was just like loud and hollow. Like he was rearranging furniture in that man's insides. And Kali Yafai never thought, like, man, maybe I should bring my elbows down. Like he was getting crushed to the body. And if you know Chocolatito, it, it just gets worse as the fight progresses. And we're just sitting there, and I remember I could hear Carpenter going, oh, God, oh, like, block something. And then he wouldn't block. And then by the time he started to figure out to block, to like, put his elbows down, Chocolatino just leveled him with these jaw-jarring uppercuts. And this was one of those performances where this is the Chocolatino we remember, where pressure busts pipes, and he just wears you the fuck down. And there was nothing that Carly Fi could do but just get ran over. It was like the train had left the station, and he was tied to the tracks. And he couldn't elucid himself. Like, he just had to watch as the train ran him over. And when, when Chocolatito landed at that right hand and put him down and out, I, like, we were all, were like, well, shit, uh, the rumors of his dev- demise were greatly exaggerated. Chocolatito's still here. And afterwards, Eddie Hearn said he, he made it clear he wants to do Chocolatito versus Estrada this summer in a rematch, uh, which will be a unification fight, which is huge, which is what we all want to see. But... This was a, this was, you know, hate to go all Michael Cole on you, but it, this was vintage Chocolatito. This is the guy that we remember. I just don't know against more stellar opposition. Yafai is good, but he's not great. How will he hold up guys that can crack? could can do nothing to get him off of him. That was the problem. He just, everything he threw at Chocolatito, he was like, cool, I'm just going to hit you with these three body shots. Um, and I'm going to kill your 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 kidneys. And then I'm going to uppercut you in the face. And eventually you're going to die. And it's just, he, he killed him. Fantastic performance, though. It was great to see him back.
2: Yeah, I agree. But you, you say it as though it's simple, like, oh, drop your elbows down a little bit. I mean, as soon as he gave Chocolatito an opening, that right hand came down the pipe so fast that he had no clue what hit him. Well, it, it's he not, was just on his ass and then looking around. It's not
3: necessarily that. It's like, why did your fight choose to fight on the inside the entire fight? Like, as the fight progressed, we were like, I remember I was I was saying under my breath, I was like, get out of there. Like, if your game plan is to fight chocolate Chocolatito on the inside because you think you can bully him around, and then you realize this shit ain't working, you need to go to plan B. And as the rounds progressed, he chose to stay right in the pocket where he was just getting beat on. He was just getting pounded on and he never reconsidered his strategy. That's what was baffling to me. Yeah, you got you do have to bring your elbows down and block a body shot. But you also need to stay out of his damn range of getting hit in the body. And he just chose to stay right in the phone booth and get clobbered. And then he would, you know, he'd get on his bicycle and he'd flick a jab. He'd throw a right hand and Chocolatino would take it and just, like, walk right through him. It was, yeah, it, it's not easy. Like, that kind of pressure is hard to deal with. But damn, man, he had no chance. do something different was just like i wasn't sure what to expect out of chocolatito we've seen roman gonzalez for years just run guys down and at this point he had been in so many wars he was like man one punch could just end it because we don't know what he has left no he's good he's fine i talked to him uh earlier and you know he talked about like a a death you know that was somebody was close to him really affected him and he's a really nice guy and he seemed very honest and i was like okay and after, I saw, after he said that and I watched this before, I was like, dang, hey, you're probably right. Maybe it did affect him. But he's back. And if you guys get an opportunity to watch him, you should. Like, I will say this about this card. And this is not being a company shill. This, fight, this card from top to bottom was probably the best card this year in terms of action, um, competitive fights. Like, everything on this particular card. Israel Mazumov, uh is Amazing. He fights like Lomachenko and Golovkin. And he was on the uh, the undercard. And if you didn't get a chance to see it, you should watch him. Um, Diego Pacheco was on the card. Like, this was a great... Uh, Julio Cesar Martinez, another disciple of uh, uh, um, the, the uh, Canelo crew. This was a loaded card with some really good fights. Joseph Parker killed a man. Like, that was nuts.
2: <laughs> he did out of nowhere.
3: Yo, listen,
2: Del Winters... That fight was kind of like whack for a second and then out of nowhere it's just
3: boom damn cool, dude Shondell Winters is a guy who's like almost 40 he played college basketball in 2000 and he decided to pick up boxing after that which is I think his records like 14 and 2 and he only weighed like 207 pounds for the fight while Parker weighed like 241 so I, we kind of figured at some point he was going to die but it, I felt like Winters I was like ah, eh, you know he's going to get creamed in like the second round look he come around for a minute and then he got decimated And the funny part is, like, this is just me, my boxing nerd in me. His trainer was Montel Griffin. Montel Griffin is famous for being the guy that got Roy Jones disqualified and then got destroyed in the rematch by this this lunging left hook where Montel fell and tried to sit up and he just couldn't. And Shondell got knocked out the same way that that his trainer did. When Parker hit him with that left hook and he fell, like, Shondell fell through the ropes, tried to sit up, and and I looked and I was like, oh, wow, that's karma. That's exactly what happened to Montel Griffin against Roy Jones. Fascinating stuff. But that's the boxing nerd in (laughs) me. Whatever.
2: Digging deep in the crates for that one. But, nah, yeah, it was was one hell of a knockout. So that was really dope. Um, Man, so those, like you said, a lot of good fights. And then we get to the main event, which is Mikey Garcia versus Jesse Vargas. Your favorite. Well, if you've listened to this podcast long
3: enough, you know I feel about him. <laughs> Nicest guy in the world. Look, man, I keep saying this. Jesse is an amazing person, and he's been, like, a yep. great company man. All these fantastic things. I just have never thought he was a good fighter. I will give him this, though. He's tough. He's he's not a guy who's just, like, an easy out. He, he'll stay, he stays and fights all 12 rounds. But, come on, man. He's got a lot of gift decisions in his career.
2: That was your key. He had a lot of gift decisions. <laughs> We've seen yeah. some of them firsthand in Vegas. Yeah. So it was uh, funny to see him headlining this. And I was like, I just wonder what Dre is saying ringside. Because I I'm, know how you think. Like, yo, is he going to get another decision in this? But there was no way. No. Th- so obviously, uh, the you know, the whole
3: thing about this was Mikey's return to 147. And does he belong in 147, which we'll talk about in a second. And the opponent is Jesse Vargas, a guy who has never been knocked out, uh, who has fought Manny Pacquiao and Tim Bradley and Humberto Soto and uh, Antonio DeMarco. Like, he's got a pretty good resume. Uh, but he's never been known as a big puncher, even though he clobbered Tim Bradley. almost like sent to God in that fight in the 12th round. He damn near killed him. And Tim Bradley just remained up where won the fight. So this was like a good test because Vargas was on his way to start campaigning at 154 until he got this call. Because his fight against Soto was at 150. Mikey, you look at Mikey and you're just like, you have no business being here. Like, this is not your weight class. But in the fight, like, in the beginning of the fight, Vargas was the bigger man, clearly. But as the fight progressed, and I think I tweeted it, I was like, this is strange. Mikey now looks bigger than Jesse. Because the way that Mikey started fighting, for whatever reason, he found this combination that worked all night. He flicked the left hand, throw the right hand down the middle, and Jesse just had no idea how to stop it from coming. And I think in the seventh round is when he put him down, and I thought he was going to knock him out. Because he creamed him with that shot. And, like, Mikey's a notoriously slow starter um, who waits to, like, download and analyze data. He's what Floyd with a call a good fighter with no uh, straight up and down, no special effects. That's what Floyd would call him. But he's good. Like, he's fundamentally sound. And he won the fight. I had to score 116-111, like the two judges. I said on Twitter, I was like, there's going to be one 114-113 one f- scorecard. There absolutely was, or 115-113, whatever it was. Um, but it was a good win for Mikey Garcia. The funny thing is, which I didn't know until I talked to him after fighter means I was his last interview. And I wasn't paying attention this good until I watched the video back. When he was looking for a fight at uh, 147, Robert Garcia's brother and his dad, who have never believed in him going to 147. They said it at the press conference. After he beat Robert Eastern, when Mikey first said, I want to fight Errol Spence, Robert was like, no. Nope. And they always told him no. And then he got beat by Errol, and they wanted him to go down to 140. They were looking for a fight at 140. Couldn't find anybody that, that fit for him to fight at 140. And then uh, Jesse Vargas came up. And you know what Mikey did? He signed the contract and didn't tell his brother or his father. They didn't know until it was done. That, that he was going to fight at 47 again, because they didn't want he didn't want to hear it. He was like, "This is what I'm going to do," <laughs> and I, I can't knock him for that. And this is why I don't think he's a 147 pounder. But when a man, for for Mikey Garcia, it's I want to be the best. I want to be nothing, and that's kind of where he's at right now. And when he was when he uh, won titles at 135, there was really nowhere for him to go. You know, he's like, could he fight Lomachenko? Maybe, but the whole top-ranked thing, he's a free agent. There was a lot of shit he had to go through to get that fight. Errol Spence was a viable option for him. And he felt like, if I stayed at 135 at that particular time, now 135 is just, like, crowded with talent. But at that particular time, if he stayed at 135 and kept winning, he would never get any higher than, like, 10 or 9 on the pound-for-pounders. Maybe as high as, like, 7 or 6. But if he beat Errol Spence, you'd have to start considering him for, like, 1 or 2. That was his way of thinking. He loses the arrow. Everybody says you should go back down. He says, you know what? I'm going to spend a year in this weight uh, walking around near 147 so I can take a real 147-pound fight. I want to be a five-division world champion. And he's daring to be great. Now, he beats Jesse Vargas. And now, clearly, if anybody's noticed, like, saw it, this is not me breaking any news because we knew it. Eddie Heard's working on putting Manny Pacquiao versus Mikey Garcia in Saudi Arabia for July 11th. That is the plan right now. That's a massive fight for Mikey Garcia. Huge. That's a good fight for Manny Pacquiao.
2: If you win. Again, what I saw was it was a good fight. But at times you still see Jesse Vargas have those flashes. The knockdown was great. But nothing at 147 tells me that... Mikey Garcia can beat Manny Pacquiao. And I also don't see any reason for Manny Pacquiao to drop lower in weight to accommodate Mikey Garcia. Like the guy has fought at 147 twice now. There's no reason to say, "Yeah, we'll do a catchweight at 144, 142." For what? Manny Pacquiao spent what a decade at 147 and up now. No need to go down. He could. No need for it. He's the champion. Defend your title. Spence just blanked this guy 12-0 at 147 and believed that you can win 8-4 to and make him climb up because he loses some of the power. He isn't as dynamic at a heavier weight. So the fight with Manny is great and is great for the pocketbook, I'm sure, and or the wallet, or whatever it may be. And if it's in Saudi Arabia, like, you know, I think Hearn after the fight last night mentioned... That Saudi Arabia was a possibility. If that's the case, then cool. They're going to drop the Saudi bag on him. But that doesn't necessarily, to me, if his goal is, like you said, to be in the pound-for-pound pound list and, and to be moving up the charts, I don't see how this does it for him. Okay. I'm going to explain. Because it, it's, not, it's not conducive to winning. You stack the deck a lot against you <clears throat> when a guy like Lomachenko is heavier, excuse me, is lighter than Pacquiao would have to move up heavier to fight you at, say, 140 and is higher ranked on the pound-for-pound list than Manny Pacquiao. That fight would make a lot more sense. And if you're a free agent, there's no reason not to get that done now. So
3: here's why. I'm going to break down all of this to you. One, Manny Pacquiao is a WBA champion at 147. Two, Manny Pacquiao is not a true 147-pounder. We all know it. We've seen it for years. Many it's never, been a decade. Manny never weighs 147. Look, go down the, the, the history books. Manny never weighs 147 pounds. He always comes in like 145, right? So if you're fighting Mikey Garcia, these are basically two guys who aren't really 147 pounders fighting at 147. Three. Mikey Garcia's other options at 147 to win a world title because he wants to be a five-division world champion, which in the history books looks really good because he'll beat legit guys, are Errol Spence. Nope. Uh, Terrence Crawford. Probably not, which is a great fight. Just don't think it would happen. Manny Pacquiao. Who's the biggest name of the bunch? Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao Pacquiao also just came off a stellar performance against Keith Thurman. So if there's any time to fight Manny Pacquiao, it's right now. Next thing, there's no way Mikey Garcia was making 135 ever again. He's done with that weight class. No,
2: I said at 140. No, you got to do it at 140. And Loma's not going to to 140. uh, Yeah, I I think Loma loses this next fight. Uh, Loma could win, but I think Teofimo wins, in which Teofimo is counting down the days to go to 140. So there's there's fights, again, that pushes you higher on the pound-for-pound list. Manny is the biggest name. Manny's going to get the most money. I can't knock him for trying to do that. But if his goal is to be the highest ranked pound for pound and be one of the best, there's guys, you just mentioned Crawford, he's higher. That's a guy you can fight for a 147-pound title that has no other options. Yeah, but... You get that fight tomorrow if the money's right. But the reality is... Then you're not a free agent. Then you're not a free agent. Yeah, well... Kodo was a free agent.
3: The reality is Manny Pacquiao is the legacy name, Period. Everybody wants Manny Pacquiao on their resume. Everybody. So if you have the opportunity to fight Manny Pacquiao for your highest career payday, who is a world champion, so you could be a five-division world champion, and he's an opponent who is more your size than anybody else at 47, you take that opportunity. You take I would him. argue Bud is also around that same size. Who is? Bud's but a little bit bigger than me. Like, dude, we just saw Bud. He's in a Wild natural Becari. 140. Yeah, but he's not- But he's bigger than Manny. Like, he's bigger. And let's be honest, Manny's simply a bigger name. And when you beat Keith Thurman for a title, Manny's back on a lot of people's pound-for-pound list. Like, if all those things line up to say, you know what? Because Terrence ain't going nowhere. Let's be honest. He's going to be there. He ain't going nowhere. If Mikey beats Manny, if that fight happens in Saudi Arabia, Mikey Garcia beats Manny Pacquiao, becomes a WBA champion, Terrence will still be there. He ain't going nowhere. So now I can fight. That'd be an immediate rematch, though. So. <laughs> but, yes, yes. But, right. the, I mean, the plan is, is, like, you need to get Manny before he's gone. Like, he's yep. not going to be here much longer. So if you want that fight, because that's the fight that, there are two fights that Mikey Garcia said, has always said he's wanted, and that's Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather. He said that for, like, when he went on his hiatus, he's always said those are the two fights he wants. It's a bucket list fight for him. And it's a bucket list fight that means something. The other thing is, the Lomachenko fight, this shit ain't happening. You want to know why? Because there's nothing for Lomachenko to win fighting Mikey Garcia right now. Mikey Garcia has no title.
2: He's yeah, not moving no up to fight so him. even moving up to 140, yet yeah, like there's no belt to fight There's,
3: for there's him. nothing there. And and let's be clear. Loma is way too small for 140 pounds.
2: He's too small for 135.
3: Exactly. So there, there's the options are very limited when you start to really boil it down. It's Mikey Garcia and Manny Packers, the fight that makes the most sense right now if it can happen. Because Manny needs a fight. Manny ain't fighting no goddamn Sean Porter. We know that. Manny probably ain't fighting Terrence Crawford. Like, highly yeah. unlikely. So the only person Maybe. left. The only, yeah, we that, that, I mean, there's got to be a lot of things got to come in line for that fight to happen. It's not impossible, mm-hmm. it just seems very improbable. But we know Manny doesn't want to fight Sean Porter. Like, there's, there's nothing there. There's no title there, there's nothing to unify. Yeah. But you fight Mikey Garcia, and again, that Saudi Arabia bag is key. <laughs> like, that Saudi Arabia bag. That, that's huge. That is huge. <laughs> so, you can't listen, if that's something to air, go get it, young man. Yeah, that's the so, number no one factor. Go get it. So, I feel like Mikey's in, in the driver's seat because he, he plays this fight-by-fight contract. Um, and Eddie, he talked about it. He's like, I took. He's like, I took Ma- uh, Mikey Garcia out on a date, and I wind him, dined him with this fight. Now I want to take him, you know... I want to take him on the real date. Like, I'm, I want to romance him now. Because the Manny Pacquiao fight, if he can make it happen, is huge. It's weird, though, because the side thing is, the fight's on July 7th, 11th, is supposedly the date they're targeting. You know what else is on July 11th? International fight. UFC. Meet. It
2: yeah.
3: could be the return of Conor McGregor. You don't want to compete with that
2: shit. No. And I love that they're just talking like Manny is a free agent. Yeah. You can change managing companies. That does not mean you are no longer with PBC. So the the assumption that Manny's just free to do whatever is not the case. It's kind of tricky because
3: Manny... Like, okay. For those that don't know, um, Anthony Joshua signed to Matchroom Boxing, but he's not necessarily signed to The Zone. Manny Pacquiao signed to Al Heyman. He's not necessarily signed to PBC. So... There is a way, there's a way for Manny to land this fight. It's just one of those things where the negotiation will get kind of tricky. Cause I mean I don't know. Like do you, do you do a Saudi fight on the zone? Now, granted, there's some news that's about to come out about the zone tomorrow that I can't reveal yet that everybody will see. That'll be pretty big. Um, that could change the dynamics of all this. But if you're Heyman, you look at Manny Pacquiao and you say, this is where it gets tricky. And you can chime in on this because you're an ESPN guy. You say this is a pay-per-view fight. You're like, this is a pay-per-view fight. We want to do this on pay-per-view. Yeah. But if the Saudi... If they want to put it on a streaming service instead of pay-per-view, and they give you more money to do that, do you say no? Because the numbers on Wilder Fury weren't mind-blowing. Right? They pumped so much money into Wilder and Fury. Like, I thought the pay-per-view would have done better. I said... I said this thing could do 1.5 with as much as they did with the Super Bowl ads. Like, you couldn't get away from the fight, and it still did under a million because of various things, pirating, blah, blah, blah. There's so many things that go on. And if that as big as that fight was, now it's like, well, damn, what is Mikey and Manny going to do? Like, what's the pay-per-view number there? Has Manny
2: ever done under a mil?
3: Yeah. He's definitely done under a mil. I believe he fought Jesse Vargas. I know the Timothy Bradley fights were under a million. So. Oh, wow. I'm shocked by that. Um, it's th- Like, pay-per-view yeah, is it, not dead. I, I, like People say, think I'm saying pay-per-view is dead. It's not dead. It's just you got to no. kind of put it in perspective. Got to adjust on,
2: expectations.
3: Yeah, like, what can this pay-per-view really do? And is it better to Correct. take a bigger amount of cash and put it on a streaming service? I don't, and, and that's like, guys like Steven Espinosa hate what The Zone is doing with streaming services. And it's a challenge because, I, me personally, I look at Canelo and I'm like, that's a pay-per-view fighter. Like getting his fights on the on the free on the zone for like ninety nine dollars a year, that's amazing. That's like an amazing deal. The reality is people will still pay seventy dollars to watch Canelo fight a fly, for whatever reason. But is is a Manny Pacquiao Mikey Garcia fight? Is it pay per view? And I I don't know. I don't
2: know the answer to that. I think it is. But I, I, don't know. I think the best way to do it if you're getting the Saudi bag for a sport like boxing, isn't putting it behind a paywall like the zone or ESPN Plus, or anything like that, if you're getting that guaranteed money already from Saudi, I don't know why you wouldn't put it on Fox, which is a PBC option. I'll tell you why. You, you go to... And you get sponsorship ad revenue money, guaranteed, no matter how many people watch it, plus the Saudi bag, and you can pay pay-per-view style prices, and you get it in front of as many people as possible and you do monster numbers to justify whatever ad pricing you are you are demanding and i and i think it would i think Manny Pacquiao on Fox TV primetime does stupid numbers like a little under nba finals game numbers maybe a 15 14 15 rating
3: but, you, realize, is, but you know that's ends. never going to happen. Like, the reason why they do pay-per-view fights is to give a fighter an upside to guarantee that that higher purse. Because with the pay-per-view upside is where you get a lot of your money.
2: And if you do... Correct. But the Saudi, Saudi bag is making up that money.
3: But the Saudi bag... But if you do the fight in Saudi Arabia, television rights now get in the way. Because you know you got to deal with Sky Sports, you got to deal with whoever is talking about broadcasting the fight. It changes the dynamic completely when it comes to I feel pay-per-view. like Showtime
2: does this all the time. They don't. No. No. Showtime. Puts when have you fights you on Fox all the time?
3: But when is the like, last? Well, when it, yeah they do Fox. But when have you seen a, a fight in Saudi Arabia on pay per view or network television?
2: No, never on network television. But I'm saying like. What's what's different besides the time difference? Don't you have to work out UK broadcasting rights anyway? Yeah, but again, so what's the what's the difference? You, I've seen fights be free or on Showtime here and be pay per view in the UK. There's a fight like that coming up. I, I think the Dubois fight or whatever that shit's pay per view in the it's, UK, but it's sky that's sports. free here. But that's Sky Sports, but, yeah. So but I mean, so what's the difference? Like, the, why couldn't you work out the, the same? The
3: difference is, is like the. <laughs> The difference is, is that, up like, do you want to do a pay-per-view fight and then have to battle what's going? Because you have to deal with rights, rights issues and licensing issues. This, this is a whole like other side of the business that I've been learning over the past few years. It's a mofo. And,
2: licensing and rights are, are crushing. And,
3: and that's that's where it's at. Okay. Because if if the fight happens in Saudi Arabia, and they want to work with Eddie Hearn, they're also going to either want to deal with the Zone or they're going to, want to deal with BT. Well, they're going to deal with Sky. And that puts a damper on trying to do it in the States on network television. Now it has to go to pay-per-view. And I don't know if they want to do that. I don't know I don't know how they want to play this, this game. It's a tough game to play. See, um, I don't
2: know if it has to go pay-per-view. It's just something that hasn't been broached, like you dude, said. Like, we just haven't crossed that path.
3: Like, Saudi is not going to pay these guys all this money, and then it goes on network television. It's just not going to happen. Manny Pacquiao is not fighting on network television. There's a reason why it hasn't to it. happened
2: yet. But I thought, it, yeah, I thought they just pay to house it. Like, dog, it, you, is, you it, pay the WWE we, the bag for it to be on the network. No, right. you paid. You just pay them the bag to come.
3: But yeah, but again, the Saudi, like those Saudi shows, aren't on network television. They're on the streaming service. So it's it's really complicated. F- really, and I, I don't
2: understand g- the downside for them. Again, yeah, I understand it, but like unless DAZN is cutting them in, but even then. You get a cut of like new subscriptions and viewership from the zone for because it's on a platform, but the ad revenue getting a cut from legit advertising. Yeah, but who's making this on public television?
3: But who's making this? What do you mean
2: you're not selling commercials to the Pacquiao fight? No, like what are you talking about? No, no, no,
3: no, no. I'm asking you, like, okay, you're talking about like ad revenue, like who's making it have to be a PBC production, they've
2: done it on Fox. He, he would be the fire. It, It'd be co-promotion between them at the zone. But there is the A-side. No no no. Like, no, 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 no. Here's what
3: I'm saying. Eddie Hearn is the man with the relationship with Saudi Arabia, not PBC. That's where the issue lies. Eddie Hearn has already worked with Saudi Arabia on the AJ Ruiz rematch, which did massive numbers over there. Huge. So there's an established relationship that Al Heyman does not have with Saudi Arabia there's your issue so and in oh. saudi arabia is going to pay manny pacquiao probably one of the biggest person in mikey garcia definitely the most money they've ever seen in their life for this fight pbc can't negotiate that that's why they do pay-per-views
2: yeah i guess so i don't it seems easy in theory but again not many things are easy in practice, or as easy in practice as they were in theory. So, you might be right. It seems like something that should be able to get done. If Manny has to go to the zone, I really would love to see it. If they can give Al Heyman enough money to have Manny Pacquiao fight on the zone, God bless. Open up the bank account. That it's, Saudi bag is real.
3: It's it's a lot. There's a I mean, there's a lot of things they got to do to make this fight happen. A lot of hurdles. There's Damn sure
2: by July 11th. Yeah. That is a lot of hurdles.
3: But I guarantee you. Well, I know this. Eddie's already on the phone with him. Like that, those calls. Oh yeah, and he said
2: so, right? Yeah, yeah. He yeah immediately, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie's. And he's Eddie,
3: gonna do his job. And Eddie does a lot of bullshit. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm around Eddie a lot, and he'll just say shit, and I'll just be like, "That's not really done yet. Why are you saying that?" Like, because we know what's on our our slate over at the zone, what we think is going to happen, and then Eddie will say yeah. something. And we're like, "That's not finished yet, man. Like, what are you talking about?" Like he does it a lot. Yeah. Everybody knows it. All promoters do this shit. But when he says Bob Aram does it constantly. Yeah, like but <laughs> when Eddie says he's working on something, yeah, he does not bullshit you. Like when he says he offered Jamal Charlo the fight against Demetrius Andre, yeah he did. This sh- is probably offered yeah. offer that Andre hated and Al Him was like. Just the fuck low-ball out of here. Yeah, but he made it yeah. offer. Like Al- Eddie doesn't bullshit on that thing. Um I do want to talk about one more thing before we get out of here. Uh, because we didn't talk about it. Uh the forty five pound suit.
2: Deontay Wilder, yeah. Oh, we never talked about that. No, no,
3: because I'm saying you know, they you know Deontay Wilder has officially enacted his rematch clause with Tyson Fury, and I, I don't think we, uh, okay, I don't think we've really talked about this in depth. Deontay Wilder should have never been allowed to speak after losing to Tyson Fury, because Mm. here's why. Nothing good was ever going to come out of Deontay's mouth. Because he just lost. He's crazy emotional. Might have been concussed. And now you're just, you're just, all you're going to give us is excuses. And Fighters, he's a prideful man. And I like Deontay. I think he's a great interview. But somebody should have told him, like, that ain't it, Chief. Don't say that. And now, as you see, he's backtracked. Mark Breland's going to still be in camp. Like, don't speak yep. until all these things are settled, right? Like, you threw the, the costume company under the bus. You threw Mark Breland under the bus. And now you've re-enacted, you've enacted your rematch clause, which means it's going to happen. You could have waited a month before you started talking about this. Because I think, maybe I'm wrong, but I think the rematch has lost a lot of steam. And not because you got dominated. So
2: excuses hurt it.
3: Like, the excuses hurt it. The pay-per-view numbers coming out directly after it, well, the, the the estimates come out directly after it, don't help. And then you're going to do this rematch immediately in the summer and the level of intrigue is dropped substantially because Fury dominated Wilder. That's not going to say it's a good fight that couldn't go the other way. I'm just saying public interest is going to be like, what the fuck, why am I watching this shit? Like, why? If I'm a casual guy... Who just watched Deontay get Molly I'm like, man, he made all the excuses about the suit. I don't wanna see that shit. So I'm a little confused by and I mean Deontay's his own man. I just wish somebody would have got there and was like, like if Deontay was like sitting with me and was like, yo, man, Andreas, my my suit was heavy. I'd be like, Deontay, don't you say that shit. Don't don't (laughs) shut up. Don't say it. Just take the loss. Just take the loss. Don't say the suit was too heavy. I know it creates doubt, and people are like, well, maybe he won't wear the suit. But, no, he became the laughing stock of boxing. And I felt bad for him, man, because he only lost one fight. And people are treating him like he's crap. But he didn't get exposed with the suit. Ugh. I don't know. Uh, be honest, girl. What? What's 1 to 10, what is your level of interest in Wild and Fury 3?
2: I would say it is about a 7, 8. I still love the matchup, right? Styles make fights. I still love the matchup. To me, I saw that his legs clearly weren't there, so I, I expect the third fight to be a completely different fight. Don't get me—I don't—I don't expect it to be the same type of fight at all. I expect it to be competitive. Something was off, and something was wrong from him, with him from the get-go. Whether that's the suit or whether he just didn't train right—I don't—I don't know. Maybe he was sick. Lord knows. But something was off, so I expect the third to be more competitive. It would be back to a level nine or ten. Again, if they would have just waited. If you have the rematch clause and put it on paper and say, you know what? We're going to run it back next year at this exact date. I I thought that helped the first fight a lot. They didn't have a draw and rush back into it, right? Wilder went and got two more highlight reel knockouts. Fury went and dusted up a few guys and and built intrigue into the fight. Do the same in in reverse. Fury Fury let Wilder go and defend his belt and said, I trust you to win. And I'll be here. I'm going to fight tune-up guys to make sure I'm all right. And to make sure I build the fight correctly, right? People bought into Fury because of those two fights. The level of caliber of fighter he was fighting was completely different than Deontay Wilder. Wilder was defending his belt. Now, trust Fury to go out, take on Dillian White, knock out the mandatory in July... Go fight Anthony Joshua after Joshua does his one mandatory and you just tell Usyk to take a fucking back seat. Go and fight Anthony Joshua in October, and November. And then next Feb and in the meantime, Wilder rests up and around September comes back and knocks out someone. Pick a- pick any one of these guys. You come and knock them out. You you want to build say, you know what, I'll take on Andy Ruiz in his fight back. Which isn't an easy fight, but if you want a hard fight, take on Andrew Ruiz. Or if not, go and knock out any one of the guys you've been knocking out already. Knock him out, feel better about yourself, come back next next year. You got a win under your belt, another knockout. Fury's the undisputed heavyweight champion, and now we have a 10 out of 10. His pride got in the way. His pride got in the way from making this the biggest trilogy possible. Now he wants to run it back, and I think it's too soon. Concussion Protocol... In most leagues, you don't get, get right for three or four months. You can come back. You can play. You can compete. You're not right. Getting right back into sparring, right back. No, you you're. it started off with your legs being bad, but the pummeling you took ended in a concussion or at least something wrong up top. Let it heal. and And his pride isn't allowing him to do so And unfortunately, and we got an inkling of it when his camp threw in the towel and how he reacted, no one there is going to tell him that this is the wrong thing. Damn sure ain't doing it now. They're not going to tell Deontay Wilder what's best for him. He's going to say he wants to fight right now. No one's going to have the cojones to step up and be like, you know what? We should wait. No. And that's just a fact. All right. So Mm -hmm. it's a seven. Because I don't expect much from him in this quick turnaround. If he waited until next February, next January... It'd be 10 out of 10 again fury did it Wilder should extend him the same thing my brother you didn't make me immediate rematch after this draw we signed on paper last year they signed on paper we're gonna take two fights and then come back they did it they're a man of their word right why not do it again i don't understand it i don't understand it so i think he will lose again um, we'll see. Maybe, you know, he can hope to feel better and land a punch. He always got that one knockout punch. He could knock Fury stiff, but I think he loses again, and then Fury moves on to Anthony Joshua in those negotiations, and now Wilder's left in the dust when he could have waited and just let the landscape clear. So, that's that's my take on it. I, I don't understand. It's a seven. Maybe in July, I'll bump it up to an eight. Right now, it's a seven, and, and that's where I stand. You know, it's... It's weird. Fans, I'll tell you this much. I posted it when we confirmed it today and everything. Fans have it at about a four and a half. Five.
3: It's tough, man.
2: People don't believe in him. How could you? And that's wrong because the guy's a, a huge champion. And he's great. And he had a bad night. People have a bad night. I think he's closer to who he was in the first fight than the second. I think the third fight will be closer to the first than the second. But you're not selling me on it. You're selling fans. Exactly. And yeah, as stupid part. as it sounds, uh, knocking out a can in between gets a lot of fans back on your bandwagon.
3: You're right. The, the only justification I can have that we can be done with this and, and this long show is that Deontay Wilder ain't getting no younger. And maybe that's the thing that he's looking at. Because maybe there's a part of him that says, and, may, and this could actually be something he says, like, if I lose, I retire. It's over this Possible. is a career this is a career match if i lose i'm done
2: and maybe i mean he made a lot of money off of these two granted this next one 60 40 split but it's still a pretty good split just saying you know like if deontay wilder's pride is what's there
3: it's like put your career on the line like a wwe match because
2: <sighs> that's a real rocky type shit. yeah <laughs> if,
3: if you can't beat tyson fury and you're making this immediate rematch you made all these excuses and you lose to tyson fury What's left for Deontay Wilder? He's on what? He has to wait 35? Tyson
2: Fury is out. Yeah, because I mean he's thirty three, right? Tyson Fury, Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury's is like thirty, but Tyson Fury saying so he only got three, two more fights left. So you hope the man is a man of his word, beats you, Molly wops Anthony Joshua, because undisputed and bounces.
3: Wilder's thirty four. He'll be thirty five in October. Um, but that—that's oh, yeah. my Not point so, yeah. is that.
2: Yeah, this is towards the end. <laughs> if, you, if you can't...
3: If you can't... Yeah, if you can't beat Tyson Fury now, it, it, it's really shitty to wait for him to leave, come back, and try to reclaim those belts when you're, like, 36. Because nobody... Like, if you're trying to be the best, that ain't, that ain't the way to go. So, I, that's the only reason I, I can look at here. It's like, Beyonce doesn't have a whole lot of time to waste, and he truly believes in himself, but put your career on the line, buddy,
2: because that's where it's at. Yeah, that's we'll see we'll see how this is a gamble with his career he's acting as though it's super urgent and it's not people lose but you know sometimes panic panic gets the best of people and pride definitely does so we'll see how that plays out um that's our episode for today our boxing episode thank you guys for tuning in we appreciate all of you listeners make sure you guys check out bet online shout out to blue wire as well the network having so much fun on this network hopefully you guys are enjoying the show check us out on wednesday for our mma episode and friday as we get back in the groove three episodes a week with our pro wrestling episode a ton to talk about on that uh crazy that we're waiting this whole time to talk about aew but we'll get the return show we get uh the go home shows for wwe it only made sense to wait until friday so well, we'll wait a little bit to recap that, but make sure you guys tune in for that as well. Follow us on social media at Corner Podcasts, underscore on Twitter, me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hell. Until Wednesday, we're out. Peace.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of Americans are deficient in.